Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my charming and esteemed daughter, Lauren Simonian. Welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Lauren, are you there? I am. I love that introduction. Thank you. Why? I didn't know you thought I was charming. Well, I... <laughs> I kind of threw that in there. I mean, I wouldn't want people to think you were anything less than charming. Why, thank you. I think that should be your updated script for the beginning of the show. Oh, it depends. It depends. And Lauren's title for today's talk is Expanding Your Horizons, Life Outside of Your Comfort Zone. Are you in your comfort zone right now? Currently, I'm slightly outside of my comfort zone because my office studio space here is a little bit hot. Oh, wait, but, uh, wait, wait, wait. We just, we just spent an additional quarter of a million dollars making your, your studio even more comfortable, and now you're complaining? You mean my <clears throat> closet? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I thought maybe it's best that we, we follow our tradition and, and start out with a a really great song, and I'm sure you'll be delighted to know that I've actually gone back to a relatively recent decade, 1930. And <laughs> what? Here, here oh we... man! What? I it's... just I, pretty soon you're. I'm going to take over the DJing. I think the song is called "Beyond the Blue Horizon." Are you ready for a blast from the past? I suppose yes. So 1930, let's see, that makes it, how old is that now? 91 years old or something? I'm not very good at math, am I? Yeah, clearly, you just you could just go from 2030 and subtract nine. So 91, is that what you said? Yeah, so this was just spoken to you by my less than charming daughter. <laughs> Sorry, I also teach math, so... <laughs> You were charming until that. But anyway, beyond the blue horizon, are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Beyond the blue horizon waits a beautiful day. Goodbye to things that bore me. Joy is waiting for me. I see a new horizon. My life has only begun. Beyond the blue like that that was beautiful yeah it's yeah. a song of hope let, let me read just a few of the words because I, I really do like this song quite a bit beyond the blue horizon waits a beautiful day goodbye to things that bore me joy is waiting for me i see a new horizon my life has only begun beyond the blue horizon 
lies a rising sun. Hmm. And it matches your title, expanding your horizons. Yes, very aligned. So I so give you I give you credit for finding that song. I take back my DJing power. Correct. Okay. So what do we mean by expanding your horizons and life outside your comfort zone? Can can you help me understand what a comfort zone is and why do we kind of cling to it? Sure. I think that our comfort zone is typically what we're used to. It's where we can exist in our life, where we can kind of know what to expect and we don't feel a lot of resistance or too much negative emotion or energy in the space that we already know. So our comfort zone just feels kind of status quo. It's kind of easy to exist there and it doesn't really push us in one way or another. It's just um, as expected, mm -hmm. a little bit uh, mundane in way. So comfort zone has a lot to do with feeling safe and secure. Would, would, you, would you say that Perhaps the most deleterious thing that can happen to one's comfort zone is cultivating an attitude of self-doubt. Yes. Do you, do you know why I say that? Because basically, the more insecure, and we'll get into that concept of insecurity, but the more insecure a person is, the more self-doubt they have, the more likely they're going to cling to their comfort zone, to what is rather than to venture out and take a shot. I mean, that makes mm -hmm. common sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that people look at, at things that are outside of their comfort zone or things that might be difficult or hard. They look at those things, especially if they have a feeling of insecurity, as um, not good. Like they don't want to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that's like a you know, kind of like a human instinct, you, you want to keep yourself safe. And you when you feel resistance or fear or discomfort, it's like your primal instincts go off. And it's like, don't do that thing. Um, but we have evolved enough where we can override those fears. And we actually can expand into greatness instead of, you know, staying small, just because we fear discomfort. As I always keep coming back to one of my favorite expressions, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. You know, comfort zone doesn't necessarily have to be a pleasant place, which always intrigues me. Sometimes we, we cling to the most unpleasant of circumstances only because it's familiar. So familiarity, even though it may not be pleasant, you know, sometimes we'll resist change just because it's the devil that we know. Do you ever, that ever occur to you that sometimes we, we cling to the wrong, quote unquote, comfort zone? Yeah, that's an interesting point. I guess when, like you say, when you know what to expect, mm. you feel safe there, even if, if what you expect is negative. Yeah, I, th I think that, you know, we are all kind of, I, I always come back to, you know, one of my favorite words is control. Human beings loathe absolutely abhor being out of control. And so for me, comfort zone is synonymous with feeling in control. And we live in a precarious world. We always have this. This world has always been precarious, perhaps more so in, in cave person time than, than now. But nevertheless, uh, we as human beings 
we we know that life can turn on a dime and therefore we tend to hoard or or just hang on to those things that we feel in control with so so i think it's important to throw that word out there that that when we when we talk about expanding our horizons we're kind of talking about risking that temporary feeling of being out of control right yes I would you, agree with that. Have you ever expanded your horizons? Yes. In fact, I make it a mission to constantly expand my horizons, which is why I feel so strongly about sharing that with others, because it's been very life-changing for me to realize how important it is to put off short-term pleasures sometimes for long-term fulfillment. It's like a really awesome shift that you can make. Yeah. A comfort zone. I mean, for you, you've 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 taught many grades, and now you're starting this self studios learning venture. So, so you you are not afraid to take those risks. At first, did you have any trepidation, any hesitations? Of course, but I think that trepidation and and nervousness or uncertainty, all of those things, it just those are the things that tell me. It's like my internal signal that's like, yes, go do this thing. Whenever I feel fear around something, I get really, really curious because it's like, okay, if I'm scared of this thing, I'm about to learn something about myself that will be invaluable. So I actually like seek out situations that are uncomfortable or difficult because those are the ones that actually change who you are. They, they allow you to like grow into the better version of yourself. But getting back to that self-doubt, which I, I think is synonymous with staying stuck in your comfort zone. One thing about self-doubt is that it really does kill motivation. So if if we're talking about really expanding our horizons, we have to realize that we really have to recognize that self-doubt is a cancer. If you If you reinforce it, if you allow yourself to passively accept those negative thoughts, those insecurity-driven thoughts, what you're doing is you're really immobilizing yourself and you're making the risk to do something just seem exponentially more difficult than it needs to be. Every effort to expand our horizon can be broken down into legitimate fragments or elements that are manageable. So one thing that I think we all need to be aware of is that when we decide to step out of our comfort zone, we need to, to really have a visualization of what it is we're after, or what are the steps? Because if there's any lingering self-doubt, we have to build a plan that actually works. And I think that if we can begin to not overwhelm ourselves, because a lot of people you know, sit at home with self-doubt or stuck in admired in their lives and careers and relationships, it's, it's the overwhelming idea of changing that in a massive way rather than incrementally. True. But we also, we get to determine what our internal dialogue is and we can create our own thoughts, which then can generate emotions. So like we always say, what you think determines how you feel. And so while you may have feelings and thoughts of self-doubt, which I think everybody does to some extent, um, that can exist at the same time that you generate a brand new thought of self-confidence. Like you can acknowledge the doubt 
and you can acknowledge the fear and it's all valid. I mean, I would think to some extent, but you also can choose differently now. Like you're, as a human, we have this capacity to actually generate thoughts and frequency through just choosing what, what it is that we're going to believe. And so I think it's, you can change, you really can change the doubt that you feel just by allowing yourself to try something different, to think differently and change that frequency and that vibration. Oh, yeah, you can change the doubt and the, the frequency of the doubt. For example, uh, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with self-fulfilling prophecy. When, when the thoughts that we feed ourselves are, I can't do that, uh, those kind of thoughts, you know, I'm, I'm too much of a loser. I, I, I'm just not good. So when, when we feed ourselves thoughts, the I can't thoughts, then, of course, what happens to self-doubt? Well, it is enhanced. It grows. We become frozen. And we cling even more forcefully to our comfort zone. And, and I don't want to make it sound like a comfort zone is a bad thing, right? Yeah, yeah but the whole idea is, is not being too comfortable there. You, you want to also oh, be able to see what's beyond that. Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, unless you just want to live like a mundane life where you're just comfortable all the time, I suppose that's fine for some people. Yes. But there's not much fulfillment in that. There's but that's, just, a, but that's a good just... point, right? Not everybody has to do more or be more. Uh, that's a very good point. But for most of us, of course, uh, stagnation and boredom becomes a burden. So I, I would agree with you that for most people, the comfort zone is, is, is something that is kind of fluid. It, it, you know, it doesn't remain stagnant and static over time. It, it really almost needs to change and grow and nourish itself through growth. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And I, and I also think there's a big component of self-trust that goes into, I guess that's the antithesis of self-doubt, but the idea of, of, do I trust myself enough to follow through with what I say? So do I believe that when I set a goal or when I say I'm going to try something new, do I actually believe that I'm going to do it? And I think so many times we tell ourselves you know, I'm going to try this tomorrow or next week. I'm going to really see if I can step outside of my comfort zone and do X, Y, or Z. And then you never actually do it. And I know I'm speaking from experience on this. <laughs> I'm working on my own self-trust. And I guess that also is coupled with self-discipline. Mm -hmm. If you, once you decide something, you really have to stick to it because if you don't, then you, you stop trusting yourself, which is really a difficult <laughs> situation. You know, now I know why I call you my charming daughter, because you have just articulated the very essence of everything that I've ever written in any of my books. And that is that with self-doubt or what I might call insecurity-driven thinking, the antithesis, and you said it precisely, is self-trust. That's the killer of self-doubt. See, with self-trust, you're willing to trust your resourcefulness, your intuition, your, your intelligence. And self-trust is the end game in that, with whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever it is, these are all remnants of self-distrust. But once you start to trust the self, you don't have to overthink, ruminate, figure everything out before it happens. You're willing to let life unfold 
in a trusting manner. Why? Because you trust your tools in that toolbox. You trust your resources. So you're right, Lawrence. You 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 finally picked something up from me that I I feel is is not only worthwhile, but it it makes me feel like I've done my job as a father. <laughs> finally. <laughs> <laughs> There, there are 150 different ways you could make yourself not take that first step. Mm. And, and sometimes it's that first step that really kind of breaks the ice or, or the, the stranglehold of insecurity. So yeah. you are not a self-sabotaging person. I know that for a fact. But have you ever felt where you've self-sabotaged yourself? I, I actually heard a metaphor that sort of speaks to the way I think about self-sabotage and it was to imagine that you're in a jungle and you're I had a feeling you were gonna do that (laughs) I was trying to think of another way to sideswipe that metaphor to avoid the animal noises but it's inevitable so if you were in a jungle and there were animal noises all throughout surrounding you thank you for the surround sound um all of those represent like the negative self-doubt sort of thoughts like they and they can be very loud and almost deafening as you walk through the jungle but if you keep your attention focused on the path that you're walking on the goal that you have you can notice the animals and the trees and you can notice the screams of self-doubt and negativity um, and and hear them, but you don't necessarily stop. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily listen to them. You certainly don't like validate whatever they're saying. You just stay focused on your path. So like while the negativity and the fear is always going to be there, you don't allow it to drive you. Mm -hmm. You allow yourself to stay focused on you know, yes, this is there. Of course it's there. It's, it's part of my primal development that, you know, everything inside of me doesn't want me to do something dangerous or scary or new. It wants me to stay safe, but I know that I'm safe. I know that I'm brave and I'm going to focus on my path and moving forward. And I'm not allowing, you know, the negativity and the fear-based thoughts to hold me back from what it is I really want. Yeah. I like the jungle. I, I always use, uh, I'm just throwing out another metaphor because I'm competitive, but my metaphor is, are you ready to be competitive? We'll see whose, me- whose metaphor works better. Who's going to judge, though? Um, but my metaphor is, nevertheless, my metaphor is that uh, the stream that flows against us, we're in the stream. And rather than animals and animal noises, the stream itself, the current of negativity presses on us, holds us back. Oh, gosh. See, you're, now, now you're turning me into my own worst enemy. <laughs> So the stream stream presses against us. Oh, my goodness gracious. This is what happens when you try to focus and someone makes noises while you're talking. (laughs) What is it that my chickens have come home to roost? That's right. So you're you're going against this stream of negativity and it's pressing against you and you're in the stream. So what do you do when you're in the stream and all the water is pressing against you? May I have a little water sound? Thank you. So all the water's pressing against you. What do you do? Well, if you stay in the stream, you're stuck in that discomfort zone. So too bad for you. We have no sympathy for you. Nah, 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 nah. But what if you decide, hey, wait a second. Being in the stream is an option. I can step out of the stream onto the bank. 
So when we step out of that stream onto the bank, the stream is still there. The negativity is still flowing on and on and on. But where's our focus now? You see, now we don't have to focus on the stream because we're not feeling pressed upon. So get out of the stream and don't let all those swishing water sounds deter you because it really is a choice. You're in the stream because you passively accept being in the stream or maybe self-doubt has you feeling that being in the stream is better than being on dry land, which is really a mistake. Hmm. I'm sure... I'm sure now you realize that my metaphor is quite superior, right? I'm 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 trying to navigate your metaphor a little bit. I don't know right. if I'm fully clear on it. Go ahead. And I'm not I'm not no, just no. trying to ask the question. I, I have a feeling your metaphor is a little bit more deep than mine, no pun intended, with the water. It's a um, stream, it's not an ocean or a river. It's, oh, it's not that deep. No. Okay. <laughs> it's, so, up to, it's up to your needs. So are you are you saying that instead of resisting change, you go with it instead of no, resisting? You weren't listening, were you? I was listening. I was talking. also focusing on the water. I'm just teasing you. Um, How would you sum it up in one sentence? No. Um, well, restate your question for me. Let me let me be very specific. I'm just trying to understand what you mean when you say don't focus on being in the stream, even though you're in the stream. Okay. What, what I'm saying is that in life, we, we all have things that press against us, doubts, fears, negativity, all that kind of life and circumstantial kind of things that, that press and, and interfere and, and kind of inhabit space in our brain. And that's being in the stream. All those things are pressing and, and they're causing stress and duress. And while we're in the stream, we, we tend to accept that this is life. Life is pressure. Life is stress. Life is negative. We're in the stream of accepting that which does not have to be accepted. And once we come to that conscious awareness that the being in the stream, feeling stressed and pressured and upset by life is an option, and all of a sudden, the little light bulb goes on and you say, well, wait a second. Why am I in the stream? Well, oftentimes, because you just don't realize you can step out of that stream. You can step out of that uh, adherence to okay. negative chatter. You could say, stop it, drop it, get those thoughts, put them back in the stream, step out on dry land and start to challenge the reality of your thinking. Interesting. So you just kind of like started out in the stream and didn't realize you could get out of, you could like just climb out of the stream. Yeah. It, it, it just, everyone has stream experience. And, and I think that what happens though, is someone with a strong and courageous kind of sense of self, they don't tolerate that kind of stream for long because it's, it's not, it's not a pleasant place to be and nor is it necessary, but someone who is of less less courageous mind might decide that well, what's a guy to do you know wow i'm in this stream it's really terrible but you know you know so you really need to cultivate a kind of courageous heart and realize that whatever life's stream whatever life presses up against you you can decide whether this has to become your reality or not because what you accept becomes your reality right I see. Okay. Yeah, I get it. That was a good metaphor. 
took, took about <laughs> 20 minutes to get there. So well, I, I didn't understand the concept of like no, no, you're accidentally in a stream, but you don't have to be. Now I get it now. No, no, it's not you. It's like if the metaphor were that great, which I thought it was, <laughs> it would have immediate understanding. There would be enlightenment as soon as you heard it. So I, the fact that I had to go around the block to explain it to you shows that you won the metaphor competition. Oh, yes. You and your jungle. <laughs> all right. All right. But I'm, I know one thing that you will agree with when we talk about trying to develop, or when I talk about developing a courageous heart, uh, I think it really helps to develop some self-compassion because, you know, we have to realize life's negative stream experiences where life presses up against us. It, it, it can knock us on our heels and we can get very discouraged and when we think about expanding our horizon, sometimes, you know, it's it's scary. So we need a bit of self-compassion. I mean, I, I know you. So tell me more about your ideas of being gentle and kind and compassionate to ourselves. Why is that important? Mm, I actually love the term radical compassion. It's like when you are just fully forgiving of yourself and I think it's so important because our tendency as humans is to judge ourselves. And, you know, if we, if we do that, then there's no space to help ourselves feel safe enough to move to the next level. So until you feel safe, until you're on your own team and your, your own support system, yeah. I mean, no one else really can give you what you need. So you've got to be able to do that for yourself before you have a chance of leveling up. Self-validation. I think you'll agree that we are much harsher on ourselves than we are on others. We we have this self-critic in us. And the more the more doubtful we are, the more insecure, the more critical we are. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I like to use the word curiosity a lot. I think when you can shift from self-judgment to curiosity, it changes everything because we we're learning who we are every day we're alive. Like it's not, it's not. We, we are ever evolving. And so as much as we try to understand other people in our lives, we're also trying to understand who we are underneath all of these layers of conditioning. So mm -hmm. if you can approach it from, you know, from a place of curiosity, like why did I react that way? Or why am I holding myself back? Or just, just trying to understand um, and, and not judge because it's not, you know, a lot of these things are not necessarily conscious it's like we have a lot of subconscious patternings and we don't always know why we do certain things. So yeah, just not, not holding yourself responsible and understanding that when you know better, you can do better. But until you can understand yourself, like you can't necessarily change behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the knowing ourselves, you know, that's, that's a, a very, very important, obviously, and we get derailed so many times. Uh, there are so many things that contribute to self-doubt and fear of expanding our horizons, letting go of that comfort zone. You know, one of the things I love, I always love this concept. Ever heard of the imposter syndrome? Yes. Oh, you have? I'm so impressed, Lauren. Gee, I've wrestled man. with it many a time. As we used to say on Hudson Street, we wrestled. Wrestled. Yeah. 
But the, you know, what the imposter syndrome is that, you know, you feel, you go through life with unreasonable feelings that you're a fraud, that you're, you know, that your real achievements, you've gotten them only through luck and, and, you know, not through personal ability or effort. So, so it's another way that you contribute to self-sabotaging thinking. And, and what, what would you say to someone who, self-sabotages by saying, well, you know, I'm just not as good as someone else. And, you know, that, that uh, you know, if they really knew who I was, if they really knew what I know, you know, in other words, if they really knew how doubtful and insecure I was, they would never hire me or like me. What, what, how does that ever play out in, in your experiences, the imposter syndrome? Mm. I think that people need to realize that they might not know themselves fully because there's every everybody is extraordinary it's like we're all extraordinary it's just that not everybody has the tools yet to see that in themselves so i think you know understanding that if you do have all these doubts and you don't think you're worthy then you don't fully understand yourself yet that's a good point we all have the tools and they're all we have this toolbox but we don't always know all those tools that are available to us so that's where the the self-scrutiny and the self-exploration comes in you know with this this imposter syndrome my favorite quote was from babe ruth and uh, what the babe said and he told me personally the babes told me one day he says if you can do it it ain't bragging Mm -hmm. and and i always felt comforted by that because sometimes you know, maybe we'll get an A in the course, or we'll hit a bullseye with the arrow or things like that. And we're, we just feel squeamish about taking credit for it. You know, with a babe's quote, if you could do it, it ain't bragging. You know, look at your behavior sometimes and stop tainting it, you know, with negativity or insecurity. Sometimes just look at what you can do and look at how well you do what you do and stop pulling the rug out from underneath yourself all the time. Gee whiz. Being too humble, of course, is being fed by insecurity. You want to shrink away from someone's sight because you don't want to draw attention to yourself or, you know, to be challenged. So you tend to, to, to kind of uh, melt into humbleness. But sometimes bragging isn't the answer. That was just the babe said that. I didn't. I told him, babe, hey, you know, you know, I, you're probably the only person right now in the world that could actually. Yeah, brag about things. But for us normal people, you know, a bit of humility is is a good thing because it, it, it gives perspective. And I think what you need to be is the accurate portrayal mm. of who you are. Yeah, I think I think checking in with your ego is the thing that's important. It's like when you're too humble or you're too uh, braggadocious in both of those situations, you are tending to your own ego. Um, whereas if you just are who you are, <laughs> that then that's based in truth. It's not based in trying to bolster or protect your ego. Oh, excuse me, Lauren. You just I just got a phone call, and your ego is calling. You want to? <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to take that now, or should I? I'd really rather not. <laughs> oh, the ego. Well, you know, it's important is, is we have to assess what our values are, you know, what, what matters most to us. So if you're thinking about, you know, life outside your comfort zone, before you, before you even try to articulate that, I think it's important to, you know, take a look at what's really important. And this is not an easy thing. I, I, I assume you will wholeheartedly agree with me 
Because sometimes, you know, we're driven by status, power, money. What really matters, though, if if you're going to get caught up in the superficial aspects of life, you know, then it's like one infatuation after the next. All infatuations eventually crash and burn. Mm. So, you, you know, in order to figure out what really matters to you, you're really going to have to sit yourself down. You know, we always talk about journaling and writing. Sometimes it helps because I always feel when we when we write something down uh, or when we journal, we're using a different part of our mind than our typical thinking mind. And sometimes it's startling. I remember in graduate school, we had to do a journal, a very extensive analytical journal. And when you read it, when you read through it, it's startling sometimes the revelations that you didn't even realize until you get them on paper. So check out your true values and, and try not to contaminate them with these more typical superficial, you know, the, the things that uh, resonate for a moment and then uh, fly away in a fleeting way. Mm. You have a lot of values, don't you? Yeah, I was just thinking as you were talking, I think my value or, or the reason why I encourage myself to constantly go beyond my comfort zone is not so much to attain status or certainly not money or anything like that. But for me, it's all rooted in service. Like, how can I become a better version of myself so that I can serve others and the people that I care about? Um, and the only way for me to truly do that is to be continually be in, in, in search of what makes me stronger and what makes me Mm-hmm. you know, the best version of, of myself. And obviously that version will continue to evolve for as long as I live, but I always want to be on that journey. Now, that's very elegant. You want to become a better version of yourself. That, that kind of can be a really guiding principle because, you know, we're all going through our own evolutions on this planet from where we were to where we are today to where we're headed. And, you know, I, you know, you go from 2.0 to 2. Point, you, that's all millennial talk. For us boomers, that means you just become better and better and better at this game of life. And and I think that's I like that a, a whole lot to become more aware of developing a better version of yourself. Because better version means that you look at all the aspects of your life and you can really focus in on what's working, what's not working. And if your life is a bit boring or mundane and stale and stagnant, well, what the heck do you want to do? Get out of that stream, right? Mm. Oh, by yeah, the way, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's it's kind of fun to think of life as a game. And I know that that's, you know, maybe not practical for, for everybody, but in my mind, I like to think of like all the things that happen are experiences that are happening for you, not to you. So an experience happens, whether it's good or bad, but that experience is offering you something, whether it's um, an experience of joy, which is great, or it might be an experience of pain that actually offers you the opportunity to grow or um, reflect in some way that's going to then turn you down a different path or allow you to become something different or better. And so if you start looking at everything that's happening around you as this constant influx of, of opportunities for growth, it changes the way you look at what happens. You know, that's, that's amazing because that is so, so true that 
if you look at all of life and not be selective about it, but nor can we be because we don't control fate. We don't control what comes around that corner. But as you're saying this, it's, it's so true that if you accept the good and the bad and handle it, in a sense, there can be no regrets. Because if everything is an opportunity to advance, to grow, to understand, to develop, to to hone our skills, to protect, whatever it may be, all of life is our teacher. And my favorite Zen quote is, when the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. And, And the teacher can be every aspect of life if you have that mindset and that openness to allow life to be our teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the fact that life that we live w- without hesitation, there can be no regrets because it's the person that is resentful. Oh, gee, why didn't I get that promotion? Yeah. <laughs> why am I walking through the jungle? You know, I mean, that person, that dour, down, depressed person is really bemoaning the fact that the life that they're involved in right now is something that they can do nothing about. And one of the things you can do, take take an adverse circumstance, a physical illness, for example, mm. things that we can't control, we can learn from, we can become deeper into ourselves and in our own capacity for, for appreciating and handling other aspects of our life. So if you have that mindset that everything in life is instructive, then all of a sudden, it's as you say, it's a whole new game. Yep. As the babe would that. say, <laughs> you know, the, the babe was quite a guy. He loved those hot dogs. Oh, man, oh, man. You know who, do you know who Babe Ruth of was? Of course I do. Of course I do. We have who, a who photo was of him. He was a Yankees baseball player. All right. Just checking. And he played with Uncle Tutto. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Our uncle, his name was Tony. His nickname was Tutto. His name was Tony? Anthony. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this was uh, prior to World War II. Uh, Babe Ruth had a softball team that was here in New Jersey. It was called the Babe Ruth All-Stars. And we have this wonderful, famous picture on our wall that Uncle Taro's daughter, Kathy, had given us. And it shows the lineup of the Babe Ruth All-Stars. And there's Uncle Taro. And next to Uncle Taro is Babe Ruth. And next to Babe Ruth is Lou Gehrig. You know who Lou Gehrig is? I do. Come on, you don't know all this stuff. What? Yes, I do. This is common knowledge. Wow, a millennial with historical relevance. Gee, you that's why I say you're charming and amazing. Breaking all the barriers. Oh, you know, we're 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 not we're not running over, but I almost forgot to ask you if, if you knew what time it was. Do, you must have some sort of like dementia problem because every week you say, I forgot to ask you. <laughs> um i you know what i do know what time it is yes is there a but coming (laughs) no oh you're you're about to say i know what time it is but i know what time it is but it's pep talk time self-coaching pep talk pep cork time there's a saying that goes if you aim at nothing You'll hit it every time. The longer you do nothing about what you want out of life, the longer you will live with empty dreams. Wishful thinking can never replace purpose-driven action. A successful life doesn't come looking for you. 
It must be sought, pursued, and embraced. So starting today, find something to aim at. Begin to focus your energy and attention. And every day going forward, set aside some time to visualize yourself achieving your goal. Day by day, your visualizations release the brain energy necessary to liberate you from your hesitations and doubts. Do this practice every day and you will be ensuring your success. Yay. I like visualizations, you know that, and I know you like visualizations. I and do. It is important to visualize being out of that comfort zone in a positive way, to visualize those things that you would like to reach, those things on the blue horizon, and, and to just hold on to them and let them resonate in a positive way. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be scared, as they say. <laughs> hold on to those things. Let the visualization just kind of you know, give you a sense of what it's like to really be in that kind of positive future. Yes. If you can see it, you can be it. Yeah. If you can, if you can do it, it ain't bragging. End that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, gee, this was kind of a fun topic. I, I, I always, I always liked the, the, the concept of, you know, expanding horizons, becoming more. Do, do you think that's, before we close, do, do you think that that's just part of human nature to, to just kind of want to expand rather than contract? There's something I in think us. there's a, yeah, I think there's a tendency for expansion and contraction. Uh, see, whiz, Lauren. Well, it's like that. I mean, it's, it's true what you say, but eh, I wish I know. Word, you know, Sometimes we think of contraction as a negative thing, but I know you're saying it as a positive thing that sometimes it really is kind of self-kindness to contract and regroup and kind of just reclaim our energy and our life vital forces, right? Yes, although I was actually thinking of it in the in the sense of fear, like we ha we have a tendency to cling to fear, but also there's like that inner purpose, that inner drive that that longs for expansion yeah I love but i also agree with what you just said about contraction so i long for expansion oh, boy. I'll tell you. all right so get after it i'll tell you what i'm going to start visualizing today that uh, i'm going to be a more positive father i'm not going to be negative toward you anymore or demeaning i'm going to embrace your texting you're actually always positive when you're not on the podcast <laughs> i don't know what this studio brings out in you this competitive well, it's, it's because i'm protected by the space between our studios i see so i can i, I can really let things fly yes okay anything you want to add before we hang it up for the today well i would add one final quote that i always enjoyed and Very it says <laughs> it says do something just once that others say you cannot do and you'll never listen to their limitations again and i think that not only is that true for what others say of you it's true for yourself too so if there's something you keep telling yourself that you can't do just find a way to do it and you'll reestablish your limitations with yourself you'll start to develop that self-trust that we all need in order to become the next level version of ourselves. The next version. 
I am going to become a new version. By the next time we do our podcast, I'm going to be version 2.01. Is that, okay. is that, is that millennial talk? You understand that? I don't know. I'm really a terrible millennial, which is why I think it's so funny that you always refer to me as a millennial. I don't well, only one. There's I'm only one criteria. There's only one criteria. What that I text for, message? Yeah, for being a terrible millennial. It's yeah, the, but it's that's everyone. Everyone texts except for you. Like you're the only human that doesn't have your phone near you, doesn't respond to text messages. Like this is not just a millennial thing. And I will do. I'm going to do a poll. I think, um, and I'm going to see if what our listeners believe you, is you, true. You think as we continue to evolve in a Darwinian sense that, <laughs> that we won't have to go out and buy phones that our hands will become phones and you know why not right I, I mean this is the direction we're going in I mean you, you have you ever seen a millennial either not texting or having the phone by the ear have you ever seen one I haven't <laughs> I mean it's a good point I all right. <laughs> we got to get the heck out of here before. Yeah, this is this is devolving real fast. <laughs> and listen, while you're devolving, uh, take a look at our websites. Uh, we've got selfstudioslearning.com. Oh, quick word about selfstudioslearning. You've launched it. How's it going? It's going great. We're having an awesome launch week and we continue to offer classes and you can check out our website on your phone, if you so desire, um, or computer at www.selfstudioslearning.com. That's wonderful. Congratulations. And Self Studios Learning is our self-coaching sponsor. So we appreciate the support from Self Studios Learning. So after you visit Self Studios Learning website, maybe you you might have some energy left and some desire left to, to visit selfcoaching.net, not com.net. <laughs> I tried to get selfcoaching.com, but it was like $80 million for the .com address. Oof, yeah. But anyway, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And, you know, while you're there, please check out my latest number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren, the girl walking through the jungle, and me every week. And let's make it simple together. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems Hold on and fight, follow your heart This is your way, life is what you make of it Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams